A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. 21. McFarland's.net. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Boy, I would appreciate a little sunshine. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that uh, when it stays so overcast and gray all day, I just don't feel like I get much done except maybe lounging around staring out the window. Well, I'm afraid we don't have much sun in the forecast today. Oh, by the way, I'm Pam Yonke. How are you doing? Five minutes after five o'clock on a Thursday morning, it's the... 10th day of September. And like I said, for people like me that are getting a little starved for sunshine, we're going to have to hang on a little while longer. Cloudy skies again today, a 90% chance of rain. 58 our expected high, 47 our overnight low. Tomorrow we warm up a little bit, 66, maybe a little bit of sunshine. Saturday, more showers and 69. We've got to tie a knot and hang on till Sunday. If we want to see sunshine, that's when we bounce back up to 73 degrees. Now, I always try to remember there are other people out there in worse situations than I am. And that's definitely the case if you look towards California, where I understand three more people lost their lives to the uh, terrible fires out there. We'll talk all things weather with Stumach in about 15 minutes. So yesterday, our dairy product prices, barrel and block cheese, went in opposite directions. Why is that? Thank goodness Ryan Yonkman, Vice President of Rice Dairy LLC out of Chicago, is our special guest this morning. He focuses in exclusively on dairy with us after 5.30. And today is the beginning of the adjusted Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds in Jefferson. They do have a couple things that will be happening face-to-face, but a whole lot of activity all online. Josh has got the story for us after 5.30. At Wiffles Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent, family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and eat it, too. Mmm. Wiffles hybrids, quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy. Challenges aplenty for agriculture with market prices, keeping workers healthy. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And, of course, agriculture gets blamed for a lot. we got uh, carbon emissions and on and on it goes. And, Josh, you talked to some folks that are trying to, uh, I guess, work to make agriculture a little bit more favorable in the public eye because there are a lot of people that want to put a black eye on agriculture. Yeah, Bob, certainly there are a lot of people that want to put a black eye on agriculture. And this group, the Animal Agricultural Alliance, is here to try to stop that. It's Josh Gramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And this group is called the Animal Agricultural Alliance. And the way that I explain it to people is you have groups such as PETA. That would be the first one that comes to my mind. And then Uh, Animal Agricultural Alliance would counteract them. And essentially, they serve as a watchdog for agriculture. So they figure out what those other groups that aren't the biggest fans of agriculture are doing. And then they report back to producers and farmers and tell them what exactly they need to know. So we've always been saying that the silver lining with coronavirus 
is that people are more interested in where their food comes from, and there's been a big focus on agriculture. But as Hannah Thompson-Weeman explains to me, maybe we don't want the attention from everybody out there. And that's what I found out when speaking with her. Well, the Alliance does a lot of monitoring of issues relevant to animal agriculture, and certainly there have been no shortage of those tied to the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the associated repercussions. So a few that have really stood out to us, uh, one is the efforts that some activist groups are making to try to tie the COVID-19 pandemic to animal agriculture. And really, it shouldn't be surprising that animal rights activist groups would use any type of issue to try to get attention to their cause, which is promoting veganism. And they've really tried to take advantage of the pandemic and of people's concerns about keeping their families safe. Uh, to try to imply that eating meat is somehow connected to the current uh, sickness going around, the current COVID-19 pandemic, as well as implying that future pandemics are also brewing on farms and ranches in the U.S. (laughs) Uh, So despite the fact that that doesn't really have a lot of scientific backing or really any scientific backing, yes, there is uh, some animals that are potentially connected. They're involved in some of the theories of how the COVID-19 disease got started, but none of them are farm animals. They're all wildlife uh, and really have nothing to do with certainly modern animal agriculture, the way it's done here in the U.S. One big trend is keeping an eye on what groups are saying. And one thing that they're doing is trying to say that this disease is because of animal agriculture and meat consumption. In a situation like this where there's anti-ag groups attacking agriculture and saying that animal agriculture has something to do with the spread of coronavirus because it could be related back to animals, what do you guys even do about that? How do you respond? And that's kind of the thought process that the Alliance has as an organization is, do we need to respond to this? Because obviously activist groups are out there making outlandish claims constantly. And if we try to respond to every single one, we'd never get anything else done. And some of them are so extreme that you just know people are hopefully going to have the ability to discern what's fact and fiction. In the case of something like this, it is very outlandish and it's been thoroughly debunked by a lot of experts, but we were just seeing it So constantly, everything from uh, news articles to social media posts, taking out billboards, saying tofu never caused a pandemic. So because it was so pervasive and has the potential to really negatively impact our industry, uh, we did go ahead and take some steps to try to respond. So we enlisted a few experts in public health, in veterinary medicine, and animal health uh, to really debunk all of these claims one by one. Uh, We published a few pieces ourselves, and several other experts have also been out there on the front lines of debunking that claim. And we're continuing to share that information now because, again, we still see that being brought up by some of these groups. I'm really curious because this entire time throughout this whole thing since the pandemic really began affecting our lives in mid-March, I've always been saying the silver lining is that more people are curious about where their food comes from. So there's the good attention, but then I guess the opposite side of the spectrum that I haven't really addressed is that there's also attention from those that aren't really fans of ag. Well, and we know that uh, activist groups never let a good crisis go to waste. So the fact that people have questions about the food system, they might have had grocery stores be a little empty, maybe for the first time in their lifetime, uh, as things got sorted out with restaurants and retailers and all of the supply chain issues the industry has faced. Uh, So that does raise some questions that people might be looking for more information. And like you mentioned, that's a great thing because we can try to answer those questions. But unfortunately, some of those adversarial voices, they see that as an opportunity to depict a version of the food system that we wouldn't really agree with 
and to really call for this as an opportunity to totally overhaul our food system in the U.S. So those are certainly some conversations that we've been following at the Alliance. Yeah, because I'm thinking about things that they would really pounce on. Like one thing that comes to mind is when we had to talk about hogs that were being euthanized because there was no market for them. Uh, I I was reading some articles from organizations such as, uh, well, PETA is the first one that comes to my mind, and they were all over this. But I'm trying to think, what what are what are other things that they were really latching onto uh, in the midst of COVID? Uh, the depopulation issue was huge. A group called Direct Action Everywhere launched a really major campaign, uh, again, trying to expose that. But really, the industry had been very upfront and transparent about why it was happening and the tough choices that had to be made. Uh, so that was a major campaign. Another one is tying into issues, issues of worker health and safety. Uh, so, you know, it's not just that animal agriculture is bad for animals, they claim, but it's also negatively impacting the people that have to work on farms and plants. And the fact that a lot of outbreaks have been connected somehow to plants uh, has helped them with that narrative. And a lot of worker rights groups have joined together with animal groups uh, on some campaigns just calling for people to boycott meat. Uh, again, because working in plants might put people at a certain level of risk of being exposed uh, to COVID-19. Uh, now, we know that there's no way to keep your employees 100% safe, but certainly meat and poultry processing plants have gone really above and beyond to find ways to make sure they are reducing risk uh, in any ways for people that are working in those plants and always uh, thinking about how they can keep their staff safe while uh, living up to their vital mission of keeping food on their, our shelves and available to consume. When everybody was staying at home, the big thing was binge something on Hulu, binge something on Netflix. And I felt like I was seeing an uptick of documentaries that were anti-ag or anti-meat. And with everybody staying at home, did did you guys kind of view that as being uh, a a win for the other side and an issue for those of us in ag? Unfortunately, documentaries are a primary tactic that activist groups and activist producers, celebrities who have that type of mindset will use to get their messaging out there. And they are very popular on streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu and certainly with a lot of people uh, maybe not commuting or not being able to go to events and travel have turned to those type of platforms for more entertainment So unfortunately, that means more people probably are being exposed to those films like Cowspiracy, which makes some really egregious claims about animal agriculture and the environment, or What the Health, uh, which talks about the supposed negative health impacts of eating animal products. Okay, and then one more thing that I like on your guys' website is you have a a legislation update area where it shows legislation as it uh, relates to animal agriculture, what state it's in, what it means. Is there any that you, if you could pick like one or two from around the country that you thought uh, our producers here in Wisconsin or just producers in general should know about, um, what are a couple of those? Uh, One thing that I think has been really interesting over the past few months, and this is actually out of Canada, but certainly sets a precedent for here in the U.S., uh, is a bill that was passed really trying to take action on activists that are holding protests and vigils especially at plants. So we see activist groups hold regular protests at plants and try to stop trucks. They want to reach inside. They want to pet animals, give them water, sometimes even give them feed, which obviously poses a big challenge uh, of, well, you know, whether you're supposed to be giving animals, who knows what they're giving them when they're right about to be processed. And then, of course, the safety issue that comes with people trying to stop huge trucks hauling uh, tons and tons of animals. So that's been something that we've seen in the U.S. as well as in Canada. But Canada did take a step to pass a bill 
uh, really upping the ante on consequences for interfering with those trucks and, you know, going out in the road and doing those type of protests. So that actually, the first parts of that bill went into effect yesterday, so it's very new. It'll be interesting to see how it shapes up and if it is something that we can try to replicate here uh, in the U.S. Because certainly people have the right to protest, they have the right to assemble, and they can do that on public property and express their opinions. But when they're crossing the line to trespassing and interfering and putting themselves at risk, that's a big issue. And any way we can try to protect uh, our businesses and protect their lives uh, could be really helpful down the line. Hannah Thompson-Weeman, she is the Vice President of Communications for the Animal Agricultural Alliance. They are the group that essentially counteracts anti-ag groups such as PETA. And the team that Hannah is on, they are always monitoring to see what the groups that don't want agriculture to succeed, to see what they are up to. As she said, they are using COVID-19 as a way to rally against agriculture, saying that animal agriculture might have had something to do with the start of coronavirus, which we obviously know is not factual, but it's something that they're putting out there. And as a producer, it's all about making sure that people have the correct information, especially in this time where there is an increased curiosity behind the food supply chain. More info can be found at MidwestFarmReport.com. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board and BadgerBean.com, helping farmers grow sustainable crops to feed a hungry planet. Focus on the future. Farm First represents dairy farmers in the halls of Congress and provides test verification, disaster assistance, and youth scholarship benefits. Farm First Dairy Co-op. Keep up with Pam on social media, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter, and at MidwestFarmReport.com. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical training event. Promises to one's community. Healthy people move debris out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of battles won. The battle to generate more revenue could be as simple as a free IT assessment from Compel Consulting. You'll receive a customized report detailing opportunities to reduce risk, lower costs, increase productivity, and revenues. Compel Consulting simply wants to help you make more money. Schedule a free technology assessment with Compel today and be more productive tomorrow. Visit CompelledNetworks.com. Compel Consulting, professional IT solutions, just like having family in the IT biz. Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves. Nah, let's stick with farm babe. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. 520 now, starting us off on a Thursday morning in time to talk weather. Stu Mocker, Ag Meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. Boy, and I'll tell you, talk to some of my farm broadcast buddies in Minnesota that have seen temperatures dip to about 32 overnight. Uh, boy, I'll tell you. For the 10th of September, that gets everybody's shackles up. You know what I mean? Uh, it makes you think, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, the map of warnings and watches, and there's a frost warning around a good part of, oh, say, the northern two-thirds of Minnesota, and a freeze warning up in that Duluth-Superior area, that southwest tip of Lake Superior, up into the, the narrow northeast point of Minnesota. Very cold up there. We did skip that very cold air, but we've had the rain, and rain's been all over the place. And the reports I see vary anywhere from about 36 hundredths of an inch at Madison at the airport, 73 hundredths at Reedsburg, 51 hundredths at La Crosse, a little difference in the Fond du Lac area, anywhere from three-tenths in my backyard, four-tenths at the airport, to a half-inch of my buddy John by Armstrong. So rain all over, but that front still off to our south, the disturbance still trying to push into Missouri, and still keeping a little rain, at least in southern and parts of east-central Wisconsin, northern Iowa, still seeing the rain this morning. Anybody with rain this morning, it will taper off and in, not more than a tenth of an inch additional yet for today. La Crosse and Boston start to see a little better chance to start drying out just a little as we head through the day and on toward the evening. We all dry out as we make our way into Friday, and those temperatures try to rise a bit. We start to pull away from that that fear of being way too cool, but then there'll be the next system. It's going to lift up out of the south, heading up towards southern Wisconsin, and even by late in the day Friday at La Crosse, then Friday night and into Saturday, we could all start to talk about some rain returning with amounts that, uh, again, make you think it may be a little too damp. I'll have forecast details right after this. Compier Financial has always been there for our clients and communities in any situation, and our support continues today. Whether it's providing financial services to our local farmers or responding to the funding needs of our community partners, we're here to help. To learn more, give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compeer.com today. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. At Wiffles Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent, family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and eat it, too. Mmm, Wiffles Hybrids. Quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy. All righty, 523. Go ahead, Stu. Let's hear a little bit more about this forecast. I'm hoping there's sunshine somewhere in our future. Oh, a little dabble here and there, I guess. Let's talk mostly cloudy today, though, and rain showers in the south and east for a time today. Uh, through the morning into midday, if you will, a tenth of an inch or so, drying out at La Crosse and Boston. Upper 50s today, northeast winds at 5 to 10. Clearing out overnight, could be a little frosty in the Boston area. Quite likely, uh, La Crosse not quite that cool. Uh, in the areas with clouds in the east and south, mid-40s. Back in the 30s, out to the west, the north winds at 5. Some sunshine for, for Friday. Sounds great. I'll say sunny in the west, partly sunny elsewhere. 
mid-60s, northeast winds at 5 to 10, but even late Friday and certainly then Friday night, rain develops first at La Crosse, then crossing into the state. Clouds, showers, even thunderstorms Saturday, Pam. Uh, half to three-quarters of an inch could be a possibility in most areas, but up around 70 or so at least by Saturday. Some sun and low 70s Sunday. There's your break early next week. Sunny and nice. Looks much better. Good deal. Thanks, Stu. Around our area, lacrosse, you've got clouds. You're at 46. Mauston clouds and 46. Fond du Lac clouds, 50 degrees. They're telling me a little rain in Beaver Dam this morning in 46. At the airport in Madison, currently light rain sitting at 46 degrees. Coming up after 5.30 today is the beginning of what we hope is going to be a great opportunity for the 2020 version of the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival. Details coming up. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at RuralMutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Buy direct from the manufacturer and start saving on your fuel storage costs. 1,000-gallon and 550-gallon fuel tanks are in stock at USEMCO, built Wisconsin Tough and Toma. Sandblasted and urethane-coated prevents rusting and wear and tear. Plus, they come with a full factory warranty. A tough tank for a soft price from USEMCO. Visit USEMCO.com and click on Fuel Tanks. Save on your fuel storage costs with the Wisconsin company always looking after you. Visit USEMCO.com. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. Be the light. That's my motto. Hi, I'm Scott, proud employee with EverReady Electric for over 20 years. We want you. Yes, you. We're hiring for journeymen or master electricians. Full-time with a hiring bonus of $1,500. Why? Well, we get that transitioning from one job to another has costs. And we're here to support you in a new comfort zone. Join our team and apply online. Or call and ask for Linda. She'll amp you up. We're EverReady. The conversation of a life well-lived can continue before, during, or after a service with the flexibility of our community room. This is Matt Gunderson. At Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, a complete individualized life celebration can be held all in one location in our community room. Learn more at GundersonFH.com. Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, your hometown life celebration center. Gunderson. 
Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Keys, doorknob, elevator buttons, car door, steering wheel, grocery cart, food, food, debit card, that card reader thing, keypad, bags, keys, trunk. In one trip to the store, you touch a lot. That's why I wash my hands for 20 seconds every time. I do it to protect my mom from COVID-19, but it helps everyone in Wisconsin. Find out how to protect the people around you at dhs.wisconsin.gov slash COVID-19. Trivia time. What does a thirsty badger, spicy green goddess, and wave runner have in common? They are part of the summertime drink menu at Thirsty Goat in Fitchburg. The restaurant and patio are now open. Enjoy some of this Wisconsin weather on the outside patio, sipping on one of the summertime drinks from Thirsty Goat while enjoying a basket of ribs. Chicken wings, burnt ends, that's the crispier corners of the brisket. Their smokehouse favorites from the prime brisket, pulled pork, kielbasa, or enjoy a delicious salad while you're enjoying your summertime drink with Thirsty Goat in Fitchburg. Over these past few months, they've done a great job with the curbside checkout to go orders, and that will continue. During the reopen, add Thirsty Goat in Fitchburg for your next lunch or dinner. And hey, if you're planning a business lunch or a graduation celebration, check out their to-go menu for those options as well. It's all online at thirstygoatbrew.com. Hanging out with our sports director, Zach Heilprin, a beacon of hope in my dark, dreary life. Zach, another beacon of hope. This is a big beacon of hope. This is a six foot eight, two hundred and ninety five pound beacon of hope. This is a Rucci coming in. Another Rucci. Nolan Rucci this time coming in. Yeah, agreed. Or I should say, committed to Wisconsin yesterday. Turned down Penn State, where his dad was an All American. Yeah. Where his mom was an All American. Where he lived two hours from there, and is coming to Wisconsin instead. You know, five star recruit, number five offensive tackle in the country, the third highest rated recruit Wisconsin's ever gotten. Assuming he ends up signing, it's in uh, seven. Of their top 20 recruits in the last 20 years have come in the last three classes. That's nuts. Paul Christ. Bringing it. Can recruit. Him and his staff doing it. But yeah, Nolan Rucci, big time, big time signing for Wisconsin. Yeah, this is huge, man. Um, and I, I was reading your article at MadCitySportsZone.com, and you were talking about the um, dating back to 2000, the online recruiting era. Is that That's just the rankings online, correct? Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, because like... Tom Lemon and other people like in the 90s were putting out magazines with recruiting rankings, but... No one was. No one has gone back and added those in and and decided. You know what's what. Sounds like a job for the research department. We should get them on it. We should. Maybe um, the NCAA can get to that after they re they add in Ron Dane's bolster. Well, that's the easiest one, right? By the way, I saw Ron Dane retweeted you yesterday. Thankfully, as you're on your crusade to get him recognized as the true college all-time leading rusher. Well, it was the anniversary of his college debut, I believe, on Sunday when he ran for 53 yards against Eastern Michigan. Went on to run for 7,000. 125 yards, most of any FBS running back in history, no matter what the NCAA says. It seems pretty easy because I can just Google it. Like, it seems pretty easy that you can just type in his, you know, his, his bowl stats. And 
right? I don't know, add them to the what they did with you, Pumphrey. You would think so. It's if I can do it. Yeah, I think some snot nose, you know, intern for the NCAA could do it. Yeah. Who are a lot more tech savvy than I am. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I completely agree that it should be done. However, they're not going to do it. I, I contacted them a couple years ago, asked them about it. And uh, well, it's they more, have to, what they have to do is go back and – if they were to do that, they'd have to go back and add everyone's bowl stats back in from the first bowls all the way back in 1915, whenever the Rose Bowl started and all that type of stuff. You'd have to go back and add all the bowl stats in. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're still not going to beat Ron Dane. No, of course not. <laughs> like, but, like, but, but, like, but no, but like, if you're going to add in Ron Dane's stats, then you also need in because it affects everyone. Run else's. in the the well, punt, I mean, the punt return stats for the 1938 Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, those have to be added back into hell I mean, of a bowl <laughs> in 1930. By the way, that was lit. Heaven, for, heaven forbid they yeah, had to go back and do that. I mean, they had plenty of time the last <laughs> six months. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of time. We were talking off air a little bit, and you just read a tweet about what's the, the two tweets actually about the NCAA one or one Big Ten specifically, and one was the ACC and basketball. Yeah, so like we'll do the ACC basketball one first. The ACC had all their coaches have unanimously voted to a proposal that would put all Division One basketball teams into the NCAA tournament in 2021. Everyone gets into the tournament. I think there's 300. And they all leave with a participation trophy I think if they get bounced out right I think away. there's 350 teams. I would imagine that they would have to do it. Or a ribbon, not a trophy. I would imagine they would have to do it like um, like the FA Cup in Europe. Look at you pulling some soccer stuff. Oh, I got I'm FIFA. I'm a big, My man. Big FIFA guy. But Appreciate like, it. Right? Yeah. Like you, where you have all the lower division teams. Fighting their way up. All the way down. Play, and they have to fight their way up. And, and you know, and like. The Premier League teams get buys, buys and buys yeah. and that type you of stuff, and don't wait, have wait, to. Wait. Right, right. So I think, and obviously, three hundred and fifty teams. There's a lot more. That's a lot more it's than a lot of what, games. That's a lot more than what's in the FA, uh, the you know, in the uh, association over there. But yeah. I could see that type of a, a format. But yeah, this uh, you're like a regional bubble. Three hundred and fifty. Yeah, three. That's insane. Yep, regional bubble, double elimination. Once you lose twice, your season's over. Yeah, sure. I mean. I get it. I get I, it. I bet it's better than nothing. Like if they don't do anything, yeah, but I, there's going to be something. Like and I'm fine with whatever. I'm just, I just I'm ready for something. Yeah, for sure. And then the other one, more Big Ten related, yeah, Big Ten. was uh, from um, Ted Carter, who's the Nebraska president. One of those guys that decided that he was one that voted in favor of continuing to play. One of three guys to do so, or one of three people to do so. Godspeed. He said the Big Ten return to competition task force is putting together some plans that the presidents and chancellors will vote on. Very soon. Okay. All right. Very soon. All right. Are you so, are you so are you skeptical that they're gonna there's gonna be football this year? There's not gonna be football this year. There'll be NFL. But there's not gonna be there's not gonna be Big Ten football this year. I think there will be. You you why? I think there will be in in November. If you've ever driven a tractor, you are her friend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. You know, if you're a farm kid or a farmer and you need a little pick-me-up today, why don't you pop on over to our Facebook page. In a couple minutes, I'm going to post pictures. The cows are back on the UW-Madison campus. You know, when uh, they dismissed classes for virtual learning earlier in the spring, there were no students around to take care of the cows. So they went up to the uh, Blake Emmons Dairy Center up in Arlington to meet up with their country cousins. But as of yesterday, actually as of September 1st, the cows are back on campus and they snapped some pictures of them returning. I'm going to put those up on our fabulous Farm Babe Facebook page so everybody can kind of enjoy seeing a little bit more normality 
restored to UW campus activities, at least for right now. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Thursday. So, 10th day of September. A lot of different things uh, that happened on this date. Back in 1846, the patent for a sewing machine was awarded. And it actually went to a designer in Massachusetts that uh, had a little success marketing his machine. But it took a while before he actually reached the female population that recognized what they could do with that sewing machine and convinced the husbands, the spouses, to invest in that machine. That's on this date back in 1846. On this date in 1954, WLUK-TV, Channel 11, up in Green Bay, actually signed on and started broadcasting. There's another little tidbit for you, so now you know. Well, I want you to know that uh, today is the beginning of the hybrid Wisconsin Sheep and Wolf Festival happening at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds in Jefferson. Now, this is hosted by the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Cooperative, and normally you'd see all kinds of people streaming into the Jefferson County Fair Park looking for wool goods, looking for fleeces, looking for yarn, looking for breed stock, looking for an opportunity to compete. Well, this year, as you might expect, Things are a little different with a lot of online activities scheduled beginning this weekend. Josh Scramlin joins us with an update. In just a matter of hours, you can visit the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Virtual Country Store. For the Midwest Farm Report, my name is Josh Scramlin. And if you're a fiber enthusiast, you're probably missing the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival, which was supposed to be happening this upcoming weekend. But no need to fear because their signature country store is going virtual. I'm speaking with Debbie Petzel from the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders. Now, Debbie, virtual country store, it sounds great, but how exactly would you describe it to somebody that has never heard of it before? Well, that's a good question. Most people in Wisconsin and beyond are aware that Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Co-op normally holds the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival in Jefferson the second weekend of September. And this year, like everything else, it's different. We've moved from our usual face-to-face event to a virtual country store event that will start September 10th and run through September 13th. People can shop for gifts and clothing and supplies and all the items they've enjoyed viewing and purchasing at the country store in the past few years. Quick disclaimer, all of these details that Debbie and I talk about here on the radio can also be found online in one concrete place, MidwestFarmReport.com. So if you have questions, go there. But Debbie, how exactly is this virtual store going to work? The virtual country store consists of two different functions. The first function is a virtual country store, which will be found on the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival website. And it will have its own page on that site where you'll see 64 vendors' tiles with all of their contact information and everything they have available. And that will be found again on our website. And the second function is a Facebook group where vendors are scheduled for live presentations from 8 a.m. Thursday, running all the way through 8 p.m. on Sunday. So these are hour-long demonstrations or presentations of the various materials that they'll have for sale. We've created a Facebook group to help people connect with other fiber enthusiasts. And this Facebook group is called the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Online Community. And it's a place where day or night you can see new products, you can show off your purchases or creations and meet new friends. 
Okay, so like how many vendors do you have and then what type of uh, products can we uh, expect to see at this virtual country store? We have 40 vendors that will be presenting their hour-long Facebook Live demonstrations and presentations. The vendors were invited to sign up for a time using Sign Up Genius. And they chose their slot, and at that time, they'll be able to stream a live video or a pre-recorded video on our Wisconsin Sheep and Wool online community page. This year has been really difficult on our businesses, especially the fiber industry. With the shows and events being canceled or lost, it was really important that we wanted to support the vendors who've been there to help support the festival. For years and years. And then when somebody does purchase an item, how exactly do they get that item? Is it between them and the vendor to figure out shipping and all that? Right. You will buy it from the vendor. You will arrange for shipping with the vendor. You can shop safely from the comfort of your home with no lines, no crowds, no face masks. You'll be able to purchase all of your favorite items from your favorite vendors and add to your stash for that special project this winter. We have lots and lots of items at just about every price point. There's vendors with fabulous fleeces and luscious locks, roving, hand-dyed yarn, felted soaps, felting supplies, gifts, all kinds of fiber art equipment, and woolen clothing. All right, well, you have me sold, and I hope that people listening take full advantage of the Sheep and Wool Festival's Virtual Country Store. Uh, The Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival would normally be happening this weekend, the second weekend of September, but because of coronavirus, obviously, that can't really happen. But they still wanted their country store marketplace to go on, and it is happening online beginning this morning at 8 a.m., and it runs through September 13th, so this upcoming Sunday. Thank you to Debbie Petzl of the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Cooperative for joining me this morning. You can get all the details on where and how to shop at MidwestFarmReport.com. And as always, for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. Thanks, Josh, and I sure hope that people turn to both that online platform and the limited face-to-face activities going on at the Jefferson County Fair Park. This is really a -a once-a-year activity bringing together Wisconsin's uh, sheep and wool industries, and I wish them the best of luck. Well, it does not take uh, luck. It should take skill when it comes to the markets this morning. Kind of mixed as we roll into a Thursday trade session. December corn right now is up a penny at 361. November beans are down three at 975. The wheat for July, that's up two right now, 559 a bushel. Barrel cheese finished the day yesterday down four at 167.5. 40 pound block cheese was up a half at 215 and three quarters. Double A butter unchanged at $1.50 per pound. The fluid milk contracts in Chicago right now, October milk's unchanged at 1848 100 weight. November milk closed 14 cents lower yesterday at 1725 100 weight. A lot of dairy farmers, not just in Wisconsin, but across the countryside, wondering how the rest of 2020 is going to treat them. Dr. Bob Kropp, professor emeritus at UW-Madison, says that uh, he believes volatility for the dairy industry is here to see, to stay That extreme volatility we saw earlier this year working its way through the marketplace, and he actually believes by the end of the calendar year, when dairy farmers look back, they might be fairly comfortable where they're sitting. As we end out the year, uh, it's still uncertain where we're going to end up. We do get a little spike, uh, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. People buy a little more cheese, a little more butter. 
overall for the year, uh, a lot better than we thought was going to be back in May when we had a class three price of 12.14. So we'll average uh, uh, probably somewhere between the 17, 18 dollar range there, which is uh, not too bad of a year. Dr. Bob Kropp, Professor Emeritus on the UW-Madison campus, he says uh, with that volatility in mind, he believes now is a very good time, an important time for dairy producers to take a look at their risk management tools, including the Dairy Margin Protection Program and Revenue Protection Program. Dr. Kropp also points out that dairy producers have to understand that consumers have changed the way that they are consuming dairy products. The numbers are up as far as overall consumption is concerned, but right now consumers are preferring more butterfat-type products. They're still consuming as much cheese as they ever have, but they're also consuming a lot of whole milk, and they're also consuming a lot of butter. So the butterfat component of your milk price has uh, started to kind of out-leverage, shall we say, the protein side of things. Uh, But like I said, I think everybody's still just trying to feel our way through the dairy industry, consumer reaction, production in 2020. We're talking more things dairy with Ryan Yonkman, Vice President of Rice Dairy, LLC, down in Chicago. He's going to be joining us live via Skype next. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Shop I-39 Supply in any weather. I-39 Supply's huge indoor showroom and over 200 trailers in stock. Yeti coolers, Vortex optics, and 04 outdoor hunting blinds. I-39 Supply, trailer service and more, I-39supply.com. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Recently, the U.S. Navy delivered tons of food to hungry people halfway around the world. But you could help someone in your own community simply by donating a can of soup. Last week, a Navy doctor saved the life of a total stranger. Just like you could by giving a pint of blood. The men and women of America's Navy do some amazing things to make the world a better place. So can you. Whether it's by donating food or simply giving time, right in your own backyard. Brought to you by America's Navy. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. 548 now as we roll our way towards uh, 6 o'clock, and we want to welcome in this morning the Vice President of Rice Dairy LLC down in Chicago. That is Ryan Yonkman, who has been keeping an eye on trends in the dairy industry, not just in the United States, but around the world. Ryan, thanks for joining us. want to start off with something that everybody's been talking about, and that is weather. Uh, here in Wisconsin, we're getting a little concerned. Temperatures like this on the 10th of September are not welcome. Uh, the moisture is not what we need either. But we're in a lot better shape than people are in, say, Colorado or in California. Are you hearing anything about the extreme heat, the wildfires and things like that in California as far as dairy is concerned? Yeah, you know, uh, California had a nasty two-week stretch there where they really struggled to break 80 degrees at nighttime uh, when those cows can really recover. Um, so we've got pretty strong reports from a lot of dairies uh, and one of our employees who's out there um, talking about production being off three uh, to as much as 10% if you're an open lot dairy in kind of a rough situation. Uh, the bigger deal, though, probably is going to be about nine months from now next year when some of these guys found out they have big reproductive issues with cows not getting bred and maybe you start to see some holes show up in people's herds uh, you know, about a year from now next summer. How have their milk processors been doing, Ryan? You know, we talk about how uh, dairy is uh, still seeing some export activity. California could rely on that export even maybe a little bit more than the Midwest. What are you hearing from processors out there? So um, the last few months' reports on exports have actually been really good. Um, but a lot of that ties back to the break we had in March and April when we were clearly cheapest products in the world in every category. Uh, U.S. processors did a very good job uh, at a time of turmoil of finding the international market and getting some products out of here. Uh, you fast forward to date, uh, we are still competitive uh, in the class four space, call it non-fat, uh, in butter. Um, but where we're struggling now is on the cheese side of things. Uh, we've put ourselves on an island with blocks up at 215 in barrels, you know, now high 160s. Uh, we got a world market trading closer to 160 to 170. So they call it a U.S. 190 average. It's going to be really difficult to see any of that cheese leave our shores right now. Uh, that starts to present problems here down the road uh, as our inventories are starting to build. All right, let's talk a little bit more about that because uh, Hand in Glove is the revamping, reinvigorating of the Farm to Families Food Box program. Um, but we still, you know, we got to run up. Everybody felt real good about that in early, well, early to mid-August. But now you got a sense that the market's feeling that program, that support, that market waning just a little bit. Uh, no doubt. I mean, I think it was three weeks ago now, President Trump announced another billion dollars to be spent in the program. Um, I think that created some hype in our dairy space. We've We've seen earlier in the year that order can be very meaningful uh, in a competitive uh, demand space. Uh, but that said, this has kind of turned into a little bit of buy the rumor, sell the fact, and that we're three weeks in, and we have yet to see how much of that billion dollars is truly going to get allocated to dairy on top of the program we already have in place. Uh, so I think the, the bulls, if you will, are starving for some new information, uh, especially in our cheese space, and I think that would be it. Um, but we're all kind of just kind of sitting here waiting for when that announcement may come out, which is, uh, I think, putting the market in a little bit of a choppy spot right now. 
Well, and it sounds like you're almost predicting a pretty good adjustment possible for today's cheese market because uh, yesterday it looked like volume or open interest was pretty light on barrel block and even butter. Uh, yeah, fairly low. I, you know, I don't know if, to, if we expect to see any major activity um, pick up. The barrel market is certainly trading back toward a price where it's semi-competitive in the world. Uh, blocks at 215 if that price is going to sustain uh, it would be um, truly telling us there's tightness out in the marketplace and would certainly make me think that food box order is alive in there. Um, so a lot to see and, and to come on that yet. i got to ask you, Ryan, because Wisconsin is such a specialty cheese state. Do you have any rudimentary market information or any insights? Our people is, is specialty cheese, what we're known for, still finding a good market space, good movement? Uh, just in general, yeah. Cheese sales, um, like everything else, we have plateaued here in the last couple months as we kind of came out of, uh, in a weird way, we came out of a COVID high retail run where consumers were just going nuts in the grocery stores and um, butter and cheese sales were through the roof. Uh, since then, they've much more rounded out but are still running. Um, sales are running well above a year ago. Uh, so from a retail perspective, uh, to your point of specialty cheeses, that's where a lot of that is purchased. Uh, we're still seeing strong sales there in holdings. That, that is good news at a time where, you know, again, much of our, our food service business is still shut down or running at half capacity. Uh, so nice to see people getting out there and, um, you know, maybe we're earning some, some new demands from new consumers uh, in the retail space. Ryan Yonkman's along with us, the vice president of Rice Dairy LLC down in Chicago. One other question, Ryan. Uh, we're going towards the holiday season. We've never seen the stretch of holiday seasons like we've got between uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. We haven't encountered that kind of stretch with COVID. What's your prediction on dairy during the holiday season? You know, my, uh, off the record here, my, my gut is I think, uh, dairy can see one more run up, uh, going into this October time period. Uh, this is our seasonal strength. Our seasonal highs are usually set now, uh, for the reason of all these holiday orders. Um, I think one thing maybe you'll see end users do this year, um, is maybe really stock up and build some inventory. Uh, in the case of earlier this year where demand kind of shot up out of nowhere, called that May-June time period, a lot of companies got caught short mm-hmm. um, because they were competing with the government and a bunch of U.S. demand had turned on. So uh, I'm going to cross my fingers for one more good run yeah. and into that um, really be ready to hedge up 2021. Excellent. Ryan Yonkman along with us, joining us live, Vice President Rice Dairy LLC down in Chicago. We'll have this podcast up for you in 